recording. Welcome back to another episode of Miyazaki and Me. I'm Kyle. And I'm Shane. And this time we are joined by two very special guests. Well, I'm James. Um, I do wrestling things, which now I know Kyle. And uh, Boone and I were roommates for a short period of time in which we plowed through the entirety of the Studio Ghibli uh, canon. So we've been uh, excited to come on and talk about it. And I am Boone, the aforementioned. Um, I also do wrestling things. Um, and yeah, we we did. We we went through the whole the whole thing, and uh, did the whole ranking deal. And uh, I think loved every second of it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've really been enjoying like our journey going through these so far because like a lot of them I hadn't seen before, and so it's it's been some pleasant surprises. And like this one. Uh, in this episode, we're reviewing Ocean Waves, which I had no idea what this movie was about whatsoever, and I'd never seen it. So it was a really pleasant surprise. Yeah, I didn't know this movie existed until uh, uh, fairly more recently, uh, being as this was a uh, TV movie uh, created by Studio Ghibli. Uh, it's also the first uh ghibli movie to not be directed by takahata or miyazaki yeah um and then uh so this was released in 1993 on on television as we said uh other movies that were released in 1993 uh animation wise uh we actually had the nightmare um, a nightmare before christmas and batman mask of the phantasm were both released in 1993 Ooh, mask of the phantasm very nice and something that is very timely on the on also on the television side, uh, nineteen ninety three was the debut of the Animaniacs. Oh wow! Yep. Uh, Animaniacs, Beavis and Butthead, and Rocco's Modern Life all debuted in nineteen ninety three. Wow. So ninety three was a good year for animation, is what you're saying? Yes, it was. <laughs> now I have a very serious uh, question for the group here that has ended friendships before. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Halloween movie or Christmas movie? Ooh, Halloween movie. Really? Okay. I See, feel I, like I feel okay. like I'm gonna abstain. I I Nightmare Before Christmas has never been my jam one way or the other, and I don't know why. It just I don't know. I have I've never kind of it's never kind of lodged in my heart like it has for a lot of other people. So I tend to like. I tend to abstain when the question comes up and just say whatever you would like it to be. <laughs> See, to me, it's always been a Christmas movie. It's always been one around Christmas because, I mean, the movie itself takes place right after Halloween. Yeah, well, I guess it... that's fair. Yeah, but, you know, that that is not the movie we are talking about today. We are talking about uh, Ocean Waves, uh, which is directed by Hamami uh, Mochizuki. Uh, and this was, you know, like we, we said in the preface of this, this is the first Studio Ghibli movie that is not directed by Miyazaki or Takahata. And to me, the thing that's really interesting about this is like in that it was given over so much to the younger directors and animators and the fact that, um, that, um, Mochizuki has done other things outside of Studio Ghibli with like Nippon animation and some of the other like art houses, Perot and 
uh, Sunrise is, is super interesting to me. And the fact that he'd done some other things that are like big that I think that people would know, like uh, Ranma one half. Um, to me, there's like all of these things that I don't know. I, I, I felt like they, because this was not as widely, I don't know, received as other Studio Ghibli works. I feel like he, and you know, a lot of the other people kind of had their rising stars cut off at the knees when, you know, in reality, if you look at, um, you know, even Miyazaki's first <laughs> uh, directorial debut, like his son's directorial debut, uh, you know, Earthsea wasn't really all that well received either, but he got another chance and made, I think, one of Boone's favorite uh, um, Studio Ghibli films. The Cat Return? <laughs> You're you're a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it, it is weird. Like looking at it, though. Yeah, like Mochizuki doesn't return to Studio Ghibli, uh, but the writer of this movie, uh, which is Kori Naka, Nakamura, uh, who now goes by uh, Kiko Naiwe, uh, returns to Studio Ghibli actually for Tales to Earthsea. Mm -hmm. um, and then would continue writing the screenplays for Tales to Earthsea, Secret World of Arietti, Up from Poppy Hill, When Marnie is Me, and is actually the the writer on the upcoming uh, Earwig and the Witch. Yeah. So so they they liked they liked what she did for sure. Yeah. So so uh, what were your guys' overall thoughts on you know this film itself as we. Uh, kind of go into that discussion um for me like being being of the the younger generation it was very like it had a very familiar feel with you know like interactions that i had had in real life you know different things that i had gone through so it was very easy to relate to and just the the real world feel of you know the the friendship that that separates but comes back together over a girl but it's never really talked about. Um, and just the, the overall, like, having feelings for somebody, but never, never saying anything or never really making it clear. And until, you know, long, long, long after. And the, for me, you know, having gone to Japan earlier this year, the, all the subway station shots and the, the shots of the city and all that, you know, really kept me super engaged because I thought they depicted it so perfectly and and I could feel like I was in that moment when I was watching that movie and it it really just kept me hooked and it was it was definitely one for I think a younger generation but it I I loved it I have it as like number four of all the all the studio Ghibli movies it I I could rewatch it over and over yeah I would agree I I really love the slice of life Studio Ghibli movies. I think even, you know, more than the fantastical, even kind of the fantastical, I, I err on the side of ones like, um, you know, uh, like Kiki's Delivery Service, where there's something magical about the world, but by and large, it's set in a kind of familiar setting. So, um, you know, things like Wind Rises and Whisper of the Heart and Grave of the Fireflies, Totoro's still my favorite, even even though I think that Boone and I disagree on that. I, I love the simplicity of stories that are slice of life and don't feel like they have to have a huge 
um, like overarching narrative that they can just end um, in some ways. Um, yeah. And that, 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 that ending isn't always cathartic. Um, and so I, I think that ocean waves is, is really interesting. I think that it has some faults. I think that there's a really interesting kind of undercurrent about like male friendship as well. Um, or, or even, you know, like being attracted to people, um, you know, uh, of the same sex, uh, and, and some of those dynamics in, in kind of figuring that out in high school and, um, you know, people starting to date and there being jealousy, even if it isn't, even if it's completely platonic, that there's this kind of strange, uh, like rivalry that happens between, you know, friends, uh, significant others and yourself, because, you know, we get so laser focused on, on, I think the idealized notion of, of romance when we're in high school and, you know, everything's going to last forever, even though forever is usually about three weeks. Um, yeah, I don't know. I there's there's something about ocean waves that's so um, that's so engaging, uh, and and I one of the things that I love about it is is that the music is so like late '80s, early '90s, but that it has that like Studio Ghibli like there's only a couple themes like there's not a whole bunch of crazy stuff. There's like so many good little callbacks. Um, throughout uh throughout the entire score which is another one of those things like was not done by uh uh joe hisiashi the guy that does you know has done almost all of the uh, miyazaki directed uh ghibli films at least yeah yeah, yeah uh I, yep shane shane go ahead um with your thoughts uh yeah no i agree with a lot of the a lot of what was said already i actually i also really liked this movie i'm a I'm another big fan of slice of life uh, type of animes. And what was nice about this one is that I enjoyed the length of this movie because I felt like it was the, the exact size that it needed to be to tell the story that it did. And I think it did a proper telling of that. Like it wasn't, it, it's one of the few movies that I've watched lately that hasn't felt either too short or too long like when it ended it mm -hmm. it felt like that's when that's when it should have stopped and it did and it was great um so so the the pacing and the timing of this film was was very well done uh the the uh watching a lot of uh studio ghibli lately made the the beginning of this film a little weird for me because it felt like the artwork took a step back but then as i was watching it i realized that it it didn't it's it's just a it's a different style for the uh, for the background animation than what I had been used to in the last few Ghibli movies, where they did a lot more of of kind of watercolor kind of kind of mm -hmm. feel in this one, where it's, mm -hmm. it's a little more little more pastel, a little more watercolor. Everything everything that they were around kind of looked like it was taken out of a painting rather than made for for um, for an anime, and and that was actually as I was watching the movie uh, moving on it was really uh refreshing and kind of fun to see the the new environments that they came to yeah even some of the uh the kind of matted uh transitions with the smaller picture with white as things are yep. coming into focus as he's like remembering these different times and then it actually blows up that that kind of smaller frame to the full screen um there's some really beautiful kind of techniques about, um, you know, kind of whether something is in the 
the present or, or the past. And, um, and yeah, and I think for, you know, a television animation movie doing something that was distinct, that didn't necessarily rely on, you know, like you were saying, the, the more, um, you know, kind of cell animated, uh, you know, um, film uh, animation was, was really, was really refreshing for me. Yep. Yeah. And I, I wanted to point out that little, like that mat at uh style, like it almost made it things feel like, like an art print, like something almost mm-hmm. in a gallery. Like this was, you know, just a snapshot of something in, in the main character's memory. And, yep. you know, bringing that forward it's like at first it was a little jarring just because i hadn't seen that that technique used you know before but then Mm -hmm. i i started getting used to it and actually kind of liking it towards the end yeah yeah it's i i think that there's also something that's a pretty nice carryover from a lot of the movies that i guess maybe i i grew up in but i'm thinking about the kind of you know, 80s and 90s and a lot of directors in, in the States that were doing live action, like the John Hughes and Robert Zemeckis and Cameron Crowe, like all, all of these directors that did a lot of kind of like teen-focused dramas, comedies, that there's um, there's like a real presence to the like unlikable, naive and idealized like idea that you should make terrible friendships or relationships work and um and that that we remember um these things much differently with a little perspective on <laughs> on like yeah. how how we should invest our ourselves in other people um and other institutions like you know schools or jobs or you know college and i i liked having you know like there was the the little bit of drama at the beginning with the, you know, how how upset the the main character was about the the school canceling their their trip because they they had to focus on you know being better students and you know there was like oh is that going to be a, uh, kind of an overtone for this movie and then it didn't seem to stay that way it it kind of there there was like little bits and pieces of of drama and and different stuff. And typically with like Studio Ghibli movies, when that last maybe like 10 minutes feels like such a roller coaster, like when you have things like from Up on Papiel or like Whispers of the Heart, like you're on that roller coaster in that last 10 minutes of like, oh my God, you know, it's all coming together. But this kind of like it tapered off so gently and the the way it, it wrapped up just felt good. And you didn't need that, like, oh my God! You didn't, you know, there was no, there was no wild reveal. I mean, there, the little, the little bit of the reveal of the, you know, them coming back together, but that it didn't feel huge, but it felt satisfying. Well, they did a really good job of of hinting towards that that uh, uh, train scene at the at the beginning mm-hmm. where he sees where he thinks he sees her, and he's not certain. So when it happened at the end there, you know, in my mind, I was just like, is he going to yell out to her? Was he going to, and then he just runs yep. across to, to go see her. And, and it was, it was a satisfying way to, to kind of complete the, the arc of the movie um, of him running to, to go and, and speak to her when, you know, he hadn't really run to do anything yeah. 
in, in a romantic sense with her throughout the entire movie. Um, I, I really liked the way that they, they portrayed this lead character. I mean, uh, there's, uh, you know, there, there's the difference of culture where I was definitely like throw him away the second he slapped her. But I also know that it's, uh, it, that has a lot to do with Japanese culture and, and how a mm-hmm. slap isn't as big of a deal, um, from a man to a woman. And, and it's maybe at this time, I'm sure now it's probably changed a bit, but, um, during the time this came out and, and people of a certain age, it wasn't. Um, and to me, my, my brain went right to like, all right, screw the lead character. He's gone from me now when, when, when he smacked her. But, uh, obviously that's not a deal breaker here, but, uh, but yeah, no Taku, uh, uh, there, there's a lot of little moments there where, uh, some of them you, you think that he's trying to help his friend and like, uh, he's, he's holding back for his friend and other ones you just, uh, and it's a little bit of seeing me in the past of being like, oh, I don't even think he realizes what this girl's doing. Like, I don't even yep. think he realizes that she's, she's. Uh, you know, hitting on him or, or attracted to him. He's just dumbfounded because he's young. Yeah. yeah. And and I, one, I one... Think that the thing... Oh, go, ahead, go ahead, James. I was just going to say, I, I think that the thing that's really missing for me in this movie is the fact that Yutaka fades to the background so much that he's, he's used more as a prop um, in some ways. I think like we do in a lot of American film and animation to move the story along with um, uh, Rikako and, um, and Taku. But, but in other ways, like I think if you flip it and you don't think of the, if you don't think of the anime as about the boy and the girl, but like the relationship between the two guys um, that I, I wanted I actually thought that the ending was incredibly unsatisfactory. It felt like super tacked on to me that that they would just, um, you know, like somehow end up together. You know, there's that weird, there's that weird um, kind of like audio montage when he, when they all go to the castle afterwards, after Yamao uh, d- declares his, uh, Yamao or Tamao, he, he declares his love for Yumi. And then I laughed a lot at that scene. <laughs> I love that. And then he's like walking through the indoor mall as they're walking along, and he's like, Whee! Um, But like they get to the castle, and then like all of a sudden he's just like, "Oh, this would have been so, so nice to have her here." And then like there's all these you know quotes about you know basically everything that they experienced together, and then all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, I happen to see her in Tokyo," and oh, like she happens to still be there. It felt like contrived in a way that the rest of the movie wasn't i don't know if that makes sense i i can see what you're saying there um i mean i i think that my biggest issue in, in the same kind of vein that you're coming from is that it felt like yutaka's storyline never uh, finished like mm-hmm. they never gave me a satisfying conclusion to uh yutaka um outside of him and taku sort of making up and and going for the walk together, but it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't a satisfying conclusion for that, for that character who did feel um, at a certain point in the movie, like they just kind of threw him away and used him as a plot point when yeah. really he should have been a main crux. Yeah. And, and this was, this is also the, the interesting thing about knowing so little about the film going in. Like I actually was almost thinking for a little bit, it's like, Wait, is this film actually going to be more about Taku and Yutako? Oh, like, w- like their relationship than 
you know, than this, this, you know, romantic relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so that was really interesting as well. Yeah. It kind of, it completely um, lays bare just how kind of toxic our, our notions of like men being friends or like men showing affection for one another in American culture, like is just not a part of, cultures and other parts of the world um because i i could have seen the entire story ending with them going for a walk and basically like that being the end like you you're left with a will they won't they between the two of them or will they resolve it or do they have romantic feelings for each other rather than the like i saw her again at the train station and and she was still there when i went over and then she smiled and laughed you know it's like (laughs) just it was such a strange like such a strange like non-slice of life ending it like if that makes sense like it just didn't feel like it hit with the same beats that the rest of the narrative hit with i i suppose you could say it was more of it it was what truly made it a tv movie rather than a, a studio ghibli kind of release yeah yeah, um, it felt I, like they had to do a satisfying kind of conclusion to mm-hmm. all storylines, rather than you know end it in a way that maybe a normal Studio Ghibli that's that's released would would be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think Shane will, will agree with this because we actually had a discussion about this on on the last episode for for Pocoroso. Um and one of the faults that we had with that film um, that is not as evident here is we kind of had a complaint that. Pocoroso didn't know what tone to strike as far as like what age group to aim at. Like it, mm-hmm. it had, you know, aspects that were a little kitty at some points, but then, you know, there had some more adult and like this very much feels like it's very much aimed for, you know, that late teens, early twenties and beyond, you know, age group and and really set that tone really well i think it had a very reminiscent quality to it yeah Yeah. i think that was the best thing about watching it with boone being like (laughs) uh, like 10 years younger than me is that it hit different for both of us but it definitely both hit different i think than it would have and you know like i'd love to hear what what you guys think too like if i had watched it 10 years ago or if i'd watched it like you know, around when it came out when I was still in high school. Yeah, I I wonder how I would have felt about it like when I was when I was still in high school instead of, you know, having having grown up a bit, you know, and, and now being in, in my mid twenties, like being in my mid twenties watching it, I, I it still hit me, you know, in the in the way that I think they were kind of gearing it towards. Mm-hmm. But I was able to, you know, really relate to it on that way but you know kind of reminisce instead of like oh this feels like my life right now you know yeah it so i i really enjoyed it in in that in that aspect and i feel like they i was a demographic they were trying to hit yeah and that's you know it's it's funny because thinking about when um you know where they were in their career as young animators and directors and and everything and then um, I think the original book was also written by someone like in their 30s um, that the screenplay was was based on. And I believe she wrote like a, a sequel as well. That was like the, 
Uh, it's not ocean waves. What's the original? Uh, like I, I can hear the sea. I can hear the sea is the is the original, and then I can hear the sea too because there is love uh, is the mm. sequel. Yeah, and that and that didn't didn't they make that? But they made that like a TV drama, like non animated. Yes. Yep. Yeah, which is super interesting to me. But you know, in some ways, like I feel like I I haven't seen that. Um, but it would be interesting to see that you know written a little bit later you know directed you know later um you know i don't know if it's kind of set up with with the or how you know kind of how the characters work but i think it's really interesting because when i watched it i didn't reminisce back to those times i reminisced back to like when i was a couple years out of school and went to my first like high school reunion well my only high school reunion really at this point but um <laughs> Um, but thinking about that now and thinking about like, this would have been my 20 year high school reunion this year and thinking about how I would feel like going and seeing some of those people again, it was really interesting to see their little, like kind of immediate reunion mm -hmm. and people like yeah. confessing, you know, their, their crushes on one another. And it's all kind of like very funny, but all still kind of very like high school. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Uh, this year would have been my fifteen, or next year would be my fifteen if it were something that were going to be happening. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it kind of kind of makes me think uh, of that kind of regard too of of how people revert back into a uh, a mindset when you're around certain people. Mm -hmm. uh, with that 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 uh, reunion kind of feel uh, gave it. Um, it also made me laugh because his reaction to the. Um, I don't. I don't know what, what was she like the, the the student leader girl, um, who then later on was saying like, oh yeah, I, I uh, I ran into Rikako and and oh yeah yeah that's and that and then his reaction of like, oh did you say I miss you so much and it's great to see you because <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the way he said that was very much like, uh, oh yeah, he knew that she hated him, I hated her, so that's great. Um, yeah, and it's just like that. That idea that, you know, and, and then she said it so well right after that of we were young. It's being mad at people back then is stupid because we were stupid. And yeah. it's, it's true. And that, like everybody feels like their life is very hard, even though, you know, it really, it really isn't in a lot of ways. But when you're going through that, um, it's really easy, I think, to look back and feel nostalgic about people that you might have known at that time and that all of the things that were so catastrophic in the moment are really just these incredibly minor things. I mean, like talking to my mom about some of the things, you know, the drama from high school, which was kind of like, I don't think I led a real drama filled high school life, but it was so funny, you know, the things that she remembers me being, um, you know, upset about, or, you know, kind of a big deal and looking back and being like, Oh man, like, I don't even know if I've talked to that person since high school, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and one of the things like just, you know, this, this was a more major change, but like, like you see the, like the thing that uh, when, when Ryoko who uh, goes to visit her father, like mm -hmm. the thing that she was most kind of disappointed about and like fixated on was the fact that like, he changed the color of like the walls. Like he he repainted the walls. I don't like green, you know. And like, it was, I want to see my room. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So it was like little, it was little things like that, that you realize like as, as you're younger, you know, she wasn't fixated on the whole, you know, the parents got divorced, the father's moving on. She's like, she's just fixated on, oh, you know, my, my room changed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Change is hard when you're young and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a pointing it, pointing that out. And also it, I, I think that also shows the, uh, that, certain certain changes are really hard on on uh the youth and the and the fact that they don't know how to react to it yeah. so mm -hmm. they they uh young people find uh, i i see and i saw it myself when i was young too that you would react to things that are little rather than the big things because you don't mm -hmm. really want to accept the big change yeah no absolutely what uh, did so you guys you guys just watched only yesterday right yes Yes. And and so like I feel like that's another slice of life movie, but it came out a couple years before this, and obviously, like we said earlier, it was a film. How did you guys? I mean, how did you like that in in comparison to this? Uh, Shane, hmm. you go ahead first. I yeah, I like I, to me they're they're in the same. I might have liked this a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. just because I think I related to the characters a little bit um easier um because you know only yesterday you know has has such a dramatic shift you know in in ages uh -huh. you know yeah. of you know focusing on you know fifth grade it it you and 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 then you know figuring that out to you know how that that coincides with your modern interpretation and like yeah, your your memories and everything from those times, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I I think I liked this a little bit more just because I think it was more focused on on the specific, you know, age group, oop, and like specific um, time period. I think as a movie, only yesterday is the better movie, but I it was easier for me to relate to this one more. Uh, only yesterday has a lot of. Um, it dives into the way uh, the Japanese culture a little bit more and the way they grew up in Japan that just doesn't resonate with me because it's very, very different from, uh, from my, my past. Well, mm -hmm. this one uh, it, it's, it's based in the, you know, it's based in the cities. It's based in, in a couple larger cities uh, with, with uh, Tokyo and um, um, Oh, uh, Kochi. Co yeah, um, Kochi. Uh, mm -hmm. Which are, which are both larger cities. And, and I can I can actually I can relate to how the characters were reacting and what they were doing in their everyday life uh, a little bit more than I could um, in Only Yesterday. Now, with that said, like I said, I think that Only Yesterday is the better is the better movie of the two. Um, mm. I, I think it's it's more complete. It feels it, uh, just it had the bigger budget and you could tell in the animation, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think is, is a good way to say it. Like it was, it was a, a prettier movie, even though I enjoyed the way they did this one um, with the, like I said, with that kind of feeling of the background being paintings mm -hmm. um, only yesterday was just, it's just such a beautiful film in, in all the, in, in the, in the scenes of the fields and, and, and the, the big difference in the artwork between the younger uh, and the older uh, uh, main character, it was just uh, overall just a great, great visual. Um, mm -hmm. What? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and actually, speaking of uh, only yesterday, one one of the things I was going to bring up uh, that actually Connor brought up uh, when we were talking about only yesterday was I like the fact that they did actually focus uh, with uh, Rikoku and, and Taku uh, with the the differentiations in the dialects and the accents mm-hmm. of yes. different regions um, in Japan. Um because we we found out that you know they didn't do quite as good of a job with that you know at, in in only yesterday at least in the English you know dub, um, but we've got you know this this was you know was the original Japanese is audio track, and because it has not ever been dubbed into English, it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, but it hasn't been done yet. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Thomas Jane were supposed to be part of the dubs. Oh, they were supposed to play uh, um, uh, the the two leads of 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 Taku and Yutaka. Huh. Interesting. Would have been interesting. Yeah, that 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 would have been an interest. Like interesting is the best way to describe that. Like I don't know if I like that or not. Like I'd listen to it, but then I think I'd go back and because they're they're just such older voices, especially for Thomas and Jane. Was, and it was 2008, and Thomas Jane has sounded like he was 30 when he when he came out the womb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's also really interesting that um, you know, like only yesterday and even this, I think would be much different if it would have been Miyazaki directing because only yesterday is a Takahata jam like yep. directing and and screenwriting um and uh yeah and and i think that the other thing is the one of the things that stands out for me about both only yesterday and ocean waves is they're also not a joe hisashi um score like they feel really distinct from i think a lot of the movies that people think about when they think about studio ghibli because it's always miyazaki and um, Hisashi. Yeah, that's for sure. This one, uh, as you were saying with the music earlier, this this one was was nice, but it was very much a. It, it did have a very, to me, late '80s feel mm-hmm. with the music, uh, while at the same time being kind of a weird, uh, weird orchestral uh, late '80s kind of feel, which was kind of it's kind of odd to put. Like whenever they were they were doing something that was fun, it had this upbeat kind of bounce that like to me made me think of every animated uh a thing i've seen from the 80s like it mm-hmm. was it, it um whether that, no like what awkward of... synth jam yes exactly like from the beginning like right after he sees her on the um when he sees her on the platform it does that kind of like romance relationship jam that the first couple of notes sound like moon river but then he's in his apartment, like getting ready to leave for the actual train to go back uh, or the plane to go um, back for the reunion. And it has that like that like synth, like funky jam that you were talking about that just uh, like smacks of uh, like 80s synth animation, um, which is super funny. Yeah. And this is actually one of only two uh, films that the the composer worked on um mm. the composer is uh shigira Naga- nagata um and it it's just this and a film called here is greenwood 
and yeah, th so this is their last uh, composing work. Hmm. So I've taken to uh, while watching Studio Ghibli movies, looking for the the Ghibli Easter eggs, and hmm. I noticed two while watching it, and I've read about a third one. Did you guys notice any any uh, Studio Ghibli Easter eggs in the in the in the movie? And I'll tell you about the three that that I, I know about. Uh, if you guys don't, mm, I don't think so. Oh, I don't think so either. So uh, right before they go to Hawaii, he's he's uh, he was talking to his family at the dinner table, and he goes to watch TV, and on oh, the television yes. they were there was a commercial for I think it was cassette oh, yep. tape. And it was yeah. Ghibli Max, um, yeah, was yes. the name of the cassette tape. <laughs> uh, and then the other one that I noticed while watching was while they were uh, at the, um, uh, the the school festival. Yep. Uh, sitting at one of the tables at the festival was Porco Rosso. Oh no, kidding! <laughs> oh, fantastic! Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, you ju yeah, you just see this, this you know the pig head and an ears in a trench coat. And the and the fedora, and it's like, yeah, I, I, I saw that right before that scene started, and I was like, where is it? I gotta see, I gotta see it. Oh, I, I noticed it while the scene because because yeah. it was a it was a wide shot, and I just like my eyes like went right to him because I had just watched Porcaroso, so I was just like, wait a second, okay, uh, <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Uh, but I did miss that apparently uh, near the end of the movie there is a poster for Porcaroso on the wall uh, in one of the scenes. Um, and I, and I, I can, I missed that one while watching. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, well, I, I, yeah, the, the, those, the, the, the dual Porco, Porco Rosso, uh, references make sense. Cause Porco Rosso would have just come out, you know, just before yes. this. So, um, they were, just, always... they were just, they were just trying to give Porco Rosso a big push at this time, you know? Yeah. I get it. Um, the one thing that was a little, interesting um probably an, a negative uh was uh this is the first time we get kind of fan service for uh a ghibli film because <laughs> when while well, the girls are playing tennis and it just mm -hmm. close up on on a a bouncing <laughs> pair of breasts and it's like this is weird for a studio ghibli movie I get what you're saying there, but it was perfect for the minds of teenage boys. So, like, it didn't even come off as fan service to me. Like, to me, it was just like a bunch of teenage boys in high school looking. Because even even the um uh oh, I keep forgetting his name. Uh, Taku. Taku. Uh, even Taku kept uh, uh like when he looked, he's like, yeah, they're big, and they're like, no, we're talking about her, and he's like. Oh, and she's playing tennis really well, and it's just one of those things of like, yeah, of course the teenage boys are talking about the big boob girl. Like that's just yeah. what teenage boys do; they have a one-track mind. Yep. Um, I, I did, but in that, I did like the fact that they, uh, for Rikoku, uh, um, uh, they they made her a more three-dimensional character in the fact that like she was like the 12th rank student and yep. you know very like smart and athletic as opposed to just being you know she's pretty and she's new and that's why everyone has a crush on her it's like you know that was a factor obviously uh, because it's teenage boys but you know it was 
it was nice that it's like, oh, she's not just a pretty face. That's good. Yeah, I liked I liked that extra dimension where you know she is smart, she is athletic, like, but she clearly doesn't have the best upbringing or the best you know way way that she's currently you know in with her parents, and you know seeing like you would kind of get why somebody in that situation would act the way that she does, you know, because everything's seemingly, you know, in constant change and she's unhappy with, with her current situation. But I think with that culture, you know, the, the importance on school and the importance and, you know, stuff like that and seeing, seeing like her have that extra dimension, you know, I think made her more likable than, like the constant where you're like, how can you like this other character? She's, you know, but when you, when you add that to her, there's like, okay, there's something more here to her that, you know, is, there's a reason Taku sticks around. There's the reason Taku is still invested and helps when he can. It's because, you know, there, there's more to her than just the pretty face. And I, and I thought it was interesting. It was kind of a throwaway line the way that they, they put it out there. But when she um, distanced herself more and more from uh, everyone uh, after their fight, um, he mentioned that she just kept going up in the rankings for, for studies, as in she had, um, by not talking to other people, she had just kind of drowned herself in her schoolwork, mm -hmm. um, uh, which was also kind of an interesting way to put it. Um, yeah. And, well, and yeah. Uh, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Okay. Well, I, w I was going to say, like, it, it was also interesting, like, the fact that, you know, and, and one of the reasons why I think that their relationship works is she, she is kind of so reserved around so many other people. But then as we talked about with the, with dialect stuff and, you know, even borrowing the money, she is very blunt with Taku you know, mm -hmm. you know, right away. And it's like, you know, you sound like you come out of a samurai movie and stuff like that. And she's like, you know, stuff she wouldn't dare to say to anyone else, but she says it to him. Yeah. I think that the, the line in that is even, um, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Accents are only used in dramas or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're in a drama is this like lovely little like meta comment that just kind of hit just right in that in that moment. Yeah, and then I mean he throws it right back at her saying like the Tokyo accent to him sounds really harsh. Mm -hmm. You know. Which I've definitely I mean I've had that exact same conversation with um friends that come from the east coast um when i lived down on the gulf coast and like we would oftentimes misinterpret the tone of what we were saying as a result of uh of some of that um you know just kind of cultural dialectic uh difference as someone who uh has family in boston or in new england everyone from boston sounds like they're just being a dick all the time so <laughs> yeah. yeah i can get that yeah uh, yeah. So, any any uh, final thoughts on this on this movie? I think we've really did a good job of of really covering the 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 meaning and the feeling behind it. Um, uh, but what's what's the final thoughts? Like, what's what's what what uh what, what's your walk away uh, idea of this movie? 
spoon? Uh, well, uh, for me, like I, I have it at, at number four on on the whole list of everything of all of all the Studio Ghibli movies, and I think for me, it's I don't know the, the necessarily the message that I that I got out of it, but it it's relatable, you know, where where you have the the fantastical of you know every like. Tales from Earthsea and the Moving Castle and stuff. You have you have all those you know beautiful images and you know fantastic things to, to keep your eyes on. This was something that you know if if you lived through something like this or you had you know any type of connection like this as a teenager, this resonated with you and and you felt like I I was able to get lost in this movie and and I don't always you know tend to enjoy dub stuff you know with the original track but this i couldn't i couldn't take my eyes off i i was hooked i you know never once got distracted and i i was i was in it the whole time i think this this movie does a a fantastic job of of hitting its its target audience and you know showing the the throes of you know teenage everything that goes on as a teenager love friendship you know working a job being successful in school you know and and figuring out your life after that and realizing that sometimes the things in high school don't you know carry on afterwards but you can always come back to them in in the right moment so i i loved it i i can't say enough good things about it i think that if i were to change one thing i would basically have it end um either with the scene on the pier like having that happen either after the reunion or um or somehow kind of re-examining that i i watched a really great review that said you know if they were going to switch something they would switch the two train scenes so that the beginning was them like seeing each other and meeting in person at the end was them like seeing each other and not getting together like to me that has that uh that has that like say anything vibe um uh with uh, uh Lloyd Dobler and um Diane the the like valid Victorian and their you know star crust lovers and everything and um and they like get on that plane and they're flying away and it's kind of like uh it feels a lot like The Graduate, where um, spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched movies from the, Jeez. you know, uh, you know, eighties or sixties, but um, when uh, Elaine and Benjamin like elope and they're on the bus and they're driving off and like they're all happy and then their their like smiles kind of slowly fade. Um, I think that there's something about the kind of melancholy nostalgia of this movie that like Boone said, just hits just right. But the weird kind of saccharine ending uh, just uh, fell a little flat for me. Um, and, you know, that's all to say, man, what a what a missed opportunity, you know, when we're talking so passionately about the amount of accuracy and kind of emotional nuance of a, a 70, you know, five minute movie that's on television that yes, went over budget and went, you know, longer than it was supposed to, but man, so much potential in that younger generation. It, 
at Studio Ghibli, I think in, yeah. in both directing and writing that they they didn't all get another shot at it or, you know, a animated films budget, man. I would have loved to seen some of the things. And I know that, you know, some of them um, have gone on and, and, and done other things. Um, Mochizuki has directed other, um, you know, other work, but yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites too, just because it's so, uh, it's so relatable and there's so much, I think, potential in all of it that you can have, you know, so many different readings of how that, that love triangle works and, uh, and just, you know, how memory works and how you represent it on screen. Uh, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of love for ocean waves. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, a different different aged me as we were talking about earlier would have completely thought differently of this of this love triangle and and, and where it where the, this movie goes with it and and why the characters react the way they do in certain scenes like if i watched this at the age that the characters in the movie were i would have just been like what's her problem the whole time rather than been like man he's <laughs> dumb uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah uh in in general yeah this i I very much enjoy this movie. I don't really know where I'm going to put it on my rankings uh, of the Ghibli movies so far. I think it is. Uh, I, I think it's 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 higher than. Uh... Now I'm not going to say because we're going to do another ranking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's literally uh, our 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 uh, one of our next episodes, um, a few um, episodes from now. So 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 I'll keep that out, but uh. Um, I very much enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the uh, the nostalgia kind of feel of what what these characters were going through and and how they were reacting to things and and just knowing the way that I reacted to very similar situations being so so I, I did a lot of the same things <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah I, I think that this is just a it's a nice short film to watch and, and as boone was saying uh when it comes to i i don't watch a lot of subtitled um because i i generally get too distracted and so i can't pay attention to everything going on with subtitled um this one uh i think it had to do with with the the content of it and the the flow of the movie itself but it was easy for me to really keep up with both the subtitles and and what was going on in the uh in the movie while while i was reading <laughs> i'll uh, say you know we watch them all in english but i've watched all the ones that have been released in the u.s um uh with subtitles and i've gone back through now and watched all the ones that are that they have the original dubs um available on hbo max and well i think that they do a good job by and large of picking um people out to do the dubs i would agree with what you guys said earlier about only yesterday and that if you watch only yesterday with the original um you know dub and not and not the kind of english dub i think that you i think that these movies carry so much more nuance in like native speakers in the same way that you know english inflection is just different in the way that we express something. And I think that that's why it was also incredibly relatable because there are tones taken in this film that I don't think that I've taken in 15 years, <laughs> you know, like there's the audacity <laughs> in some of their voices and the way that they react mm -hmm. to each other. That is so 
genuine and such good voice acting um, that I think that sometimes we we miss out on that. Um, and so I would say uh, Boone and I even talked about doing it, like going back and watching some of our favorites or ones that we like ranked ranked uh, highest that uh, that we watched in English, going back and watching a couple of those and then like re-ranking um, and seeing like whether things moved up or down based on on some of that. So yeah, for what it's worth. <laughs> Well, and, and it's also interesting, like when, when we're talking about the tone, it is it is almost a little weird how and I it's why I'm kind of actually interested to see to watch uh, some of the Kiko Nawai written films later on um, mm-hmm. is because there's there's a tone with the script, like the fact that there's a line in here as things are getting a little bit overly dr- melodramatic in the Tokyo hotel room of the mm-hmm. fact that you actually have Taku say this whole thing is starting to feel like some bad soap opera. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was yep. just self-referential enough that it's like, yeah, it is kind of starting to feel that way. I'm glad you pointed that out. Cause you know, cause I was starting to, lo- you were starting to lose me, but you know, that kind of pulled me back and, and like that's when you know he he then sleeps in the tub and you mm-hmm. know all that yep. stuff and then, um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly where it's gonna rank when we we go around to do it again, but you know I I enjoyed this a lot and actually this discussion has made me actually appreciate it a little bit more. So that's kind of what I like getting out of these episodes. So. It's great. Uh, thanks for thanks for having us. Yeah, oh, thanks for coming on. This added a lot to it. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what do you guys have for like uh, social media plugs and that kind of stuff? Boone, you're the um, big uh, you're the you're the big self promotion guy. <laughs> oh yeah, you you know me. Great at self promotion. Um, I'm at or invite on everything uh, social media wise. Uh, very very streamlined easy to find on the twitter instagram um uh facebook is just just me boone um nothing nothing too crazy um you can find me on iwtv for icw no holds barred um it's a it's a wrestling thing um, for those of you that are not wrestling fans and you can go on linktr.ee slash or invite and find his instagram twitter links to the merch uh, D and DDT podcast that we do together, a little uh, wrestling folks getting together to play D and D, and you can find me at Huey Beard Walks. My dog's name is Huey. I have a beard. We go on walks, uh, or you can find all of the wrestling adjacent things at Heel Turn Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our Twitch TV slash Heel Turn Radio where we stream. Uh, D&D, we stream uh, Heel Turn Radio podcast. Uh, we do uh, Dive Club remotely since we can't go to actual dive bars. Uh, we get together and play Jackbox games with friends and do uh, wrestling watch-alongs and all sorts of other fun stuff. Weren't so. you Weren't you doing Weren't you painting minis this week? Yeah, every other week we do uh, Tiny Meng Tuesdays with. Uh, with Ben and my brother Dave and Matt Lind, uh, one half of Enhancement Talent Gear and Clothing. Uh, every Tuesday we do, uh, or every other Tuesday we do seven to nine, because they all do um, 
figure customization as well as like miniature painting. So uh, yeah, the three of them get on and talk about you know wrestling and comics and uh, and all sorts of other fun stuff. It's it's really uh, it's really zen just to like hear them and people come on and ask them questions about customizing and uh, yeah, it's fun. We're trying a little bit of everything, you know, just yeah. with all of our wrestling friends since we can't be together in person. So um, yeah. And yeah. you can you can hear us, uh, Oren uh, and uh, a bunch of our friends, Worrier and uh, Ref Dan Fitz and man Joel and uh, and Nate, our friend. We all play D and D together at dnddt.com. We have our hundredth episode of our D and D game coming up, so it's crazy. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. yeah, and and like we 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 don't mention it every episode, but uh, it's always in the description. Like your brother was actually the one who uh, created the logo for us. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. You know. Great job on that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shane, what's your plugs? Yeah, so uh, uh, if you have not had enough anime fill for you, uh, I do a podcast, just started a podcast with my buddy Carl uh, called The Anime Niacs. Uh, currently, we are watching uh, My Hero Academia and talking, Ooh. discussing that. Um, we do have some plans for a few other animes. We might kind of uh, jump around a little bit, but we're hoping to get through a, a bit of My Hero before we start moving about. But uh, uh, check Fire that board. out. <clears throat> oh yeah the plus ultra uh but check that out uh fire force does look really good i haven't watched that it's one yet fantastic. Uh, uh check that out on uh you can find it on soundcloud uh it should be on stitcher as well um and then uh that i, I don't really have any social media things to follow <laughs> yeah um, and, and as always, you can find me at knocked out films on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, we do have a, uh, a Miyazaki and me Twitter account, uh, that I basically just post the episode and then just leave it. Uh, cause I don't like Twitter. <laughs> well, now I have to go, I have to go follow that. Yeah. Uh, and then for next episode, uh, we will be discussing Pom Poco, uh, which will be, uh, Takahata's first not truly uh slice of life that he's that he does takata really only does slice of life even even pompoko is kind of slice of life uh even though they are giant raccoons um but uh uh, yeah come check us out for that yep uh thanks everybody for listening be good to each other